Hello, hello. Welcome in on a Saturday morning. Yes, it is the Golf Show. Brent Gunning and Sam McKee here. And the Golf Show is brought to you by your local Ontario Subaru dealers. Welcome to the Uncommon Performance in a Subaru with legendary, symmetrical, full-time, all-wheel drive. Very, very happy to have the folks at Subaru on board this year. Just like we're oh so happy to be here with you. Now, I'm not going to lie. I wish it was a little nicer out there today. But I'm not going to step on any toes of my buddy Sam McKee. I'm going to say hello to him, and I'm sure he's going to give us a lovely weather report. Sammy, how you doing? Good morning, Gunner. I'm doing very well this morning. Uh, yeah, I wish I had better news about the, the weather today. If you were heading out to play golf, it's not going to be pleasant. Uh, we're looking at about six degrees, a little rain, some wind. It's, it's just not pleasant out there. Uh, I came in this morning into the studio, and I had a sweater and my foot joy jacket on. Big golf guy moved by me, and I was cold, so... If you're going out, bundle up, bring your umbrella, bring your good attitude. But tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow is the day. And I think everybody in in Toronto area knows it. It's the day for golf. We're looking at a high of, you know, around 14, 15, sunny, maybe Mm. even going up a little higher, above 15. So that's the day to head out on the course Sunday. I'm sure all the courses in the GTA are going to be rammed with dummies like you and me. Yes, yes, they will be. Uh, and hey, maybe even maybe even some non-dummies out there. But let's be honest, we are who we are. And I uh, I can't wait to see. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say I'm happy to see a jam tee sheet. Happy for the courses. <laughs> unhappy for me. You know, I uh, I'm so wistful of our days of our our seven ten. You know, we we do have our running joke that we any course out there who needs a pace setter, mm-hmm. just let us go out first, and we guarantee if people use us as the rabbit. You will have a great, great well, pace out there on the course because so, we love to move fast and we love to be out early. I played uh, Humber Valley yesterday, and there was a near and dear to my heart. There was a uh, it's a great course. Um, the there was a little frost delay, so it pushed things back about a half an hour, and then so they let their employees out first. They have like mm. a employee tea time, so there was a foursome that went out. And wonder if my guy Rick at Humber Valley was out there. Shout out, guarantee. To Rick. Oh, and also, I just have to mention this, and I know you will love this. So I was I was walking up to the to the the pro shop there, mm-hmm. and they always have a Leaf jersey in there. They it's always have. It's a half <laughs> hockey pro shop. In so there. it's a really hilarious pro shop, full <laughs> of just trinkets and things. But the jersey they had hanging in there was Mark Giordano. They had two Mark oh. Giordano <laughs> Leaf jerseys hanging in there for sale. And, I just, I love the idea of going to play Humber Valley and be like, you know what I want? I'm going to buy a Mark Giordano jersey along with my tea time this morning, but I love that. So, uh, yeah, so they had the employees go out and they, they set the pace pretty well. It was this, this, the third time out, so I was in the third group. So we were moving along great. Uh, the pace was excellent. There was a good group in front of us. I played with some old boys who were moving along great. And then we got to the back nine because they always let off the, the nine holers. Mm-hmm. Right uh, off the back at the yep. start of the day, which is great if you got to go out there and play nine holes. And you just, you got a, a day ahead of you, so you know some people have to work for a living. I know it's yeah. like foreign to the idea of us yeah. that you can only play nine. But. And even I pushed a little bit playing eighteen yesterday. I was a little rushed. I hate being rushed. But um, so we got to about the thirteenth there uh, before the the par three by the water. So maybe fourteen or thirteen, and the, um, the we had caught the the nine holers. Mm-hmm. And there was a group of young guys that were probably honestly like 12, 13. They weren't very old. They were falling behind. And yeah. so for me, this is a very, very sort of, it's a tough one because I really love the growth of the game. And it's important mm-hmm. to have these places that are sort of gateways 
into the game, right? Like Humber Valley, where you For can sure. go out there and it's, it's a pretty forgiving course. If you're a younger person or if you're just learning to play, it's not the worst place to play. They're in Scarlet, you know, Dentonia. They're mm-hmm. places that are a little bit more forgiving than, say, Don Valley or Tamo Shanter would be. So they're, they're, they're falling pretty badly behind. And they go to the wrong hole. Like, they're just oh. having a tough time out there. And I, I got caught in the middle. So I didn't say anything to him when we went past the first time. And so we get onto the, the, the first of the two par fives, which is at yep. number 16. 16. And I, they're coming down 17. Yep. And, and for those of you who don't know, it is two par fives yeah, that just basically right back to back. Each other. And yep. so anyways, he was on our fairway and he had hit his drive over in our fairway. And he was sitting there and he was kind of trying to, and he duffed one and he was not having the best time. And the group behind him, one of the old guys, they drove, the guy might as well just been driving in Mad Max, flying (laughs) up there. And I was like, oh boy, what's about to happen here? And so he takes, I guess the kid had forgot his head cover Mm. on the the tee box or whatever. He's just having a day. He comes up with his head cover and he throws the head cover at the kid. Come on. And he's like, oh, come on. He's like, you forgot your head cover. Oh, and he just is like, just MFing him. Yeah. And he's 13. You know, it's like when you're that age, that's horrifying. That is the most embarrassing thing. Like you don't have the within you to be like, like if they did that to me, the guy's going, oh God, it's not going to end well for him. it's, It's coming back at him. So he just sits there. He takes this guy's tongue lashing. So I walk over to the kid after it happens, and I'm like, look. look at you. I said, look, man, don't be discouraged. I understand how that makes you feel. Like, I, I, I kind of had a heart-to-heart with the kid. And I said, look at you. I just said, you got to play faster. I'm like, regardless of what he said to you, that was rude. But you would still have to play a little bit faster. You have to understand at these city courses, it's a really fast game. You have to play a little quicker. And he's like, oh, I, I appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate it. And so we get up to the next tee box, and they're like, did you guys lose a nine iron? And we're like, no, we didn't. The kid comes sprinting back for God's <laughs> nine iron. The guy so, who had yelled at him about the, the heck. No, no, no. The kid. Oh. The kid oh. that got yelled at had forgotten his nine <laughs> oh, iron, no. too. So he was having a horrible day, the poor kid. So I, I understand when you go to a city course and the old boys are out there and you play quick like I do and you do and you play fast. I understand it can be frustrating. But you also have to think back that you were a beginner at one time, too, and it's tough. So I just wanted to say that it's I understand. But at the same time, maybe don't throw the head cover at the kid and maybe don't give him a tongue lashing. You can be nice about it. You can always be nice about it. So there you go, Gunner. That story right there is why I do, I'm done with honorary. We just need to make you uh, I'm not going to get you paid. Sorry. We just need to make you a you are a no longer honorary. As far as the golf show is concerned, you are an official marshal at all city of Toronto courses right now, because that right there is exactly, look, it's all, you can't be all steel. What is it? The velvet glove and the iron fist, something like that. You can't be all one or the other. Can't be out there coddling left, right and center, but you can't just be, you know, some jerk screaming at a 13 year old. (laughs) I assume seven 30 on a Thursday or Friday morning. And uh, now we'll bring in Kevin, who's definitely not a jerk because he's got (laughs) up early to talk with us. And I'm sure he doesn't want to hear of anybody getting yelled at at a golf course, either Uh, the chief sport officer for golf Canada. What a lofty title to be joining us at this time on a Saturday. Kevin, how are you doing today? Guys, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Great to talk to you. Kevin, Kevin's a golf guy. He was up at the crack of dawn, so we don't have to worry about that. It's not that early. It's <laughs> 9 in the morning. He's fine, right, Kevin? 
Yeah, no, it's all good. I'm actually out in uh, Waterloo this morning with my mm. son at his seven-on-seven uh, seven football. So we've been at it for a, a few hours. Oh, yeah, so yeah. He's fine. Happy, happy to be on. Kevin's had lunch already. <laughs> <laughs> I got I to gotta say my favorite thing about all of us golf guys is if you text or try to get in contact too early on in the season or too late in the season, there's almost always another sport that is getting uh, not in the way, but is involved as well. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times we've been looking for tea times late in the year. It's okay. Hold on. I'm getting off the ice in 20 minutes. I'll figure <laughs> something out for you. So I, uh, I love to hear that you're out and at it, uh, playing seven or, or watching some seven on seven football out in Waterloo. Uh, of course, we want to get you on to talk yeah. about, you know, golf Canada. Uh, my, my buddy McKee sends me this great, this great, uh, you know, report basically you guys put out about trying to grow the game and we always hear about grow the game in terms of we want people playing it recreationally and of course we do but the ultimate goal I think from a you know a a sports governing body is you want to have people who are playing it at the highest possible level you know we all know what Brooke Henderson has done uh, on the LPGA tour there seems to be a stable of guys who are kind of following or or nipping at Corey Connors heels on the men's side you know what does it mean to grow in the game to have these players who aren't just hey look there's a couple of Canadians in the field but they're really in contention week in and week out both uh, on the men's and women's side yeah i mean there's there's obviously a lot of excitement about what the players are doing and full credit to uh to everybody out on tour right now for for doing a great job we think that uh canada canada is a country that's super passionate about golf as you guys know there's a lot of golf played in canada and we believe that there's still more upside in terms of the number of world-class players that uh that can emerge coming from canada and and Golf Canada and, and I know others involved in golf around around the country are really committed and increasingly investing in, in trying to develop some uh, some great players. Yeah, no, and I think I think that's a really important important thing for Canada to be able to have these kind of people at the pinnacle of the sport. And you know, what is the kind of pipeline like for that? You know, I I'm always somebody who's watching like the drive, chip, and putt going on Masters week, and it feels like every single time I'm watching, oh, there's a Canadian popping up in in contention in a certain division. And you know, I know we've had Canadians win win you know uh, age ranges there. What is or just how difficult is it to take somebody who kind of shows promise at the beginning or early on and one I guess identifying that person and then two kind of helping shepherd them along of course it's them doing the work but kind of taking a eight nine ten year old I don't know maybe that's too late to even start looking at people and saying how do we get this person to a college program how do we get them on to one of the best tours in the world like what exactly is the work that goes from taking somebody once you uh, once you identify them or they identify themselves early on to kind of helping them reach those highest levels yeah, it's a long journey and it's a complicated journey. And the way we think about it is the more prospects that we can have that are Canadians that have an opportunity to play at the highest level, then the more, more players that will eventually emerge. And so there's, there's some things, you know, nationwide and at a, as a golf system in our country that we're really focused on, like trying to create more access and more opportunities for juniors to, uh, to play and practice at the right type of facilities. Um, obviously the number of juniors playing the game and increasing that is, is going to help us increase the number of world-class players. And then as they're emerging and, and proceeding in their competitive journey, we, you know, we and others uh, want to make sure that we're supportive of them to make available the best coaching, the best uh, training opportunities, the best funding. Uh, it takes a long time and a lot of investment to be able to emerge at the, at a world-class level. So, 
you know, Golf Canada and and uh, other stakeholders in Canadian golf uh, are, are very invested in making sure that our players have the highest probability of, uh, of reaching the LPGA and the PGA Tour. So, Kevin, you know, you know, sort of the perception of golf in terms of. Uh, the type of people that play it and, you know, maybe a little higher class sort of sport and maybe, you know, it's kind of a less accessible and sort of a harder thing to kind of, you know, get into it. Maybe if you're on the less fortunate side of things, but if you saying that there could be a whole talent pool that you're cutting out from, if you're kind of looking at it that way, how do you kind of, you know, bridge the gap between maybe some talent that may be in other parts of of sort of, I don't know, maybe the tax bracket's the wrong, wrong way to put it, but just in other parts of the world or, or other parts of Canada sort of to bridge the gap from the less fortunate that may be talented and want to get into the game of golf that could uh, sort of lead to your goal of 30 players on the LPGA and PGA Tour. Yeah, that's that's a, an important point, and it's 100% something that we're focused on. Like, if, if, uh, if Canada is going to continue to emerge as a globally significant golf country. Golf needs to draw from all parts of the Canadian population for its talent pool. And so we're doing as much as we can to diversify the, uh, the participation base of the sport to make sure that kids from all parts of Canadian, uh, all Canadian backgrounds and all socioeconomic levels have that opportunity. So specifically, you know, you guys might be aware, and some people I'm sure are aware that we are bringing the first T program up from the United States and uh, launching it nationwide in Canada, which is going to provide a lot of really welcoming entry-level opportunities for Canadians that come from all sorts of different backgrounds. Uh, we've, we've received some fantastic financial support from some uh, philanthropic partners, from corporate partners like our friends at RBC, who are really helping to drive... Uh, the scaling up of the first C program across Canada, which in the end, as you guys mentioned, like the more kids from different backgrounds that are playing the sport and receiving the coaching and receiving the mentorship opportunities, the higher the chance that, uh, that kids from all sorts of Canadian backgrounds are going to emerge uh, as, as world-class players on the global stage. We need to make sure that the participation base of Canadian golf continues to evolve so that the demographics of golfers match the demographics of multicultural Canada. And that's something that uh, as a national governing body, Golf Canada is very committed to. So, and then what role, I guess, because, you know, Toronto's a huge sort of uh, talent base, if you will, tons of people here. And what sort of uh, role do the Toronto municipal courses play in that? Because I went to Humber Valley yesterday and it's a great track, and I saw a bunch of Golf Canada stuff partnered up with there. I know my friend Gunner, who's co-host in the show, he went to a great event there last year. I, I, I love the Toronto Municipal courses, and I think it's a huge opportunity to sort of bring people in because that's a kind of a gateway and sort of a good place to fall in love with the game. No question about it, and uh, I, I saw your video from Humber Valley. Oh, like did? Oh, uh, baby. I, yeah, I, yeah, we, uh, you know, I myself uh, started playing the game uh, at Don Valley, so I'm a I'm a Toronto Muni uh, player as well, and um, it, as you mentioned, like it, the 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 population that we have in Toronto and the significance of those municipal courses is, is uh, it can't be overstated really. Like it's the entry point to the game for so many people uh, that are involved in Canadian golf and especially obviously the GTA. And, you know, so we're fortunate, again, like the first tee program, thanks to, thanks to the support of RBC, we're going to be able to bring the first tee program to, uh, 
to Humber Valley and Tam O'Shanter to start in terms of the municipal courses in Toronto, and hopefully that'll provide a, an even better on-ramp to the game for, for kids uh, throughout the GTA. Yeah, that, that event that the McKee mentions, it actually was the, the RBC first tee event with, with Harold Varner III. And, you know, as a guy, you, you, you started playing the game at Don Valley. I actually started at Humber Valley. And, you know, seeing a – like, I'm, you know, hey, I'm a man in my 30s. I got a kid of my own now. It's not hitting home quite the same. But I can only imagine being 12 years old and sitting there at a clinic and watching a PGA Tour player, you know, in front of my eyes just kind of shooting the breeze with you. And it's, you know, hey, not to say Harold Varner III is going to be at every one, but having events like that just just really kind of help grow the game you know something else I think is really important it's something I'll, I'll be honest I gave myself a little slap on the wrist because I was too late getting going on it is just becoming a member of Golf Canada you know I don't know I don't know how much it is that that's kind of under your purview being the the chief sport officer but just if you're somebody out there who plays can you give us the little sales pitch on on becoming a member and joining Golf Canada because I think one it's a way to kind of pump a little bit more money into the coffers of a sport that we all love so much and and then two, there there are definitely some benefits uh, you, you get out of it. So could you just, uh, if you're able to, could you just speak to the benefits of becoming a, a Golf Canada member? Absolutely. Yeah, being a being a member of Golf Canada is one of the best ways to support the growth uh, and health and vitality of of our sport across the country. And it does come with benefits as a member, uh, as you mentioned. Um, you know, one of the primary things that Golf Canada members have access to is an official handicap, which allows you to. Uh, compete, play in, in tournaments, whether it be, you know, the Ontario Amateur or the Canadian Amateur or the uh, the RBC Scramble or just even a member guest. So the, uh, you know, the official handicap is important uh, for that. We also, all, all Golf Canada members are also um, able to access incident protection insurance. So if anything happens to their equipment, uh, then there is a, hmm. obviously people invest a lot in their uh, in their equipment. And if their clubs are lost, stolen or, or otherwise damaged, uh, there's some protection for for uh, for that significant investment. So there's a lot of benefits. Um, those two are, are, are probably top of the list. But uh, yeah, we're, we're appreciative of all the members of Golf Canada. and We'd encourage all the golfers out there to uh, consider joining the association as well. So uh, first thing about that is I love the new app this year. The app is the, the improvements have been made. I have it on my Apple Watch now so you can keep track of your putts and I'm keeping track of the putts and the stats and the scrambling numbers and all that stuff starting to show up. And I'm like, oh, God, this isn't what I was envisioning. <laughs> like, the numbers aren't as high as I was hoping for. Uh, the second part is, you know, maybe we could have an off-air conversation about this, Kevin. But what's the process of going through to uh, make a claim about a broken club? Because I may or may not have snapped the head off my driver last year in my last round. I heard about that. I got a little <laughs> intel that you might yeah. be a, uh, a beneficiary of yeah. the protection program. We'll have, yeah, we'll have to take that one offline. <laughs> All right. So my next question for you is, it's a pretty simple one. And, you know, after a couple of years of not having our national open here, uh, it must be just so exciting to have the, the RBC Canadian Open here at a real gem of Canada, Royal St. George's in Toronto. You guys must just be really fired up to finally have our, our national open back here after two years away. Unquestionably, uh, you know, I'll tell you guys, the buzz around it this year is, uh, is extraordinary. Um, you know, the, the hospitality sales, ticket sales, the, uh, just the anticipation for the event is understandably very high, right? People want to get out. They want to have a good time. They want to watch the best players in the world play. You know, we've got Scotty Scheffler, world number one, coming. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a really robust field. 
and the entertainment options around the event with Maroon 5 and, and Flo Rida being uh, two concerts that will be part of the event as well. It's just, I think it's going to be a great kickoff this summer in, uh, in Toronto and hopefully some sense of normalcy and people getting to enjoy being with each other and, uh, you know, a, a classic summer event in the RBC Canadian Open. Yeah, well, well said, Kevin. Uh, it is it is one of my favorite weeks of the year, and we've been without it for way way too long. And also want to give a shout out uh, CP Women's Open. That'll that'll be coming back. That's uh, not as local for us, so not as front of mind. Uh, but very very happy to have both of our national opens mm-hmm. back. RBC Canadian Open at St George's. And Kevin, I'll give you just a little bit of insight on this. Sam McKee's mom is going to the Flow Rider concert. She got <laughs> tickets. So everybody, Perfect. everybody is excited about this uh kevin Apple thanks so much jeans yeah thank you so much kevin i won't make you listen to any more of mckee's singing go enjoy some seven on seven football uh, all right appreciate you guys thank you see you buddy uh there he goes our i think our buddy now talk to him two or three times and i laugh both of them so uh, officially our just, friend and yeah just, go ahead just another guy to, to add to the shameless text uh <laughs> Circle for old McKee here, but yeah, I'll be texting him literally the second we go to break. But yes, uh, that's awesome. And it's a lofty goal, man. Like, I really, really do appreciate the fact how, how serious Canada golf is about developing more players. And like, like I said, I think it's really, really important not to go back to the municipal golf thing, but to keep these gateways open because, you know, you talk about the threat of losing those courses and it's just like, if you lose those, where the hell is anyone going to go in like in the GTA? I mean, they're just, you're going to get priced out. Listen, the reason I play at those courses is because they're reasonably priced. The second you go away from the municipal courses, you're looking at, you know, it can be over 110 bucks to play around. That's no, that's no fun. So uh, I just, I think it's really, really important to sort of pull from what was the, uh, the multi-economical, the way that Kevin blue said yes. it was way better than me. I was like, ah, There's tax, a reason bra- he, tax There's bracket. A reason he has a PhD <laughs> and we're doing this at 9am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just, I, I love the way he talked about that and man, more Canadian golfers on tour is what we want. So, uh, maybe we could teach you how to putt a little bit. That's, that's well, I mean, we know who we know who designated Canadian putting coaches. He's busy with his own PGA Tour career right now. But we need we need Mac Hughes weekly clinics uh, on, <laughs> on all bombs. practice screens. Yeah, I it's hey Mac, I've been struggling with these eight footers. Can't help you. Do you have one that's eighty eight <laughs> feet long? Got that in the bag, no problem. Uh, you're you're right though. Look, we we love it having the Canadians in contention, but. Maybe my favorite thing of the last two or three years is that it's kind of stopped being a story. Okay, Hadwin's in the mix. Great. But like, it is no longer ring the alarm bells. A Canadian has a share of the lead at 9.02 on a Thursday, and we have to hold on to this because who knows when we're going to have this moment. No, guys are just in the mix all the time. Corey Connors, three straight top tens at the Masters. Mac Hughes in the final pairing of a major on Sunday last year. Like, And then, of course, Brooke Henderson having won a major of her own. Tons of other talented players on the LPGA Tour as well. Like, it, The game's in a great spot, but it's only going to get better if we keep kind of adding to that talent pool. Because, hey, I love Corey Connors, but I'd love like five of them out there. I want the, I want the President's Cup team to be dominated by Canadians. Just all that Canadians? should be the goal. Yeah. And hey, also, one other thing on that. President's Cup coming to uh, Canada in 2024 at Royal Montreal. Wow, can you imagine that as a, a boys weekend? Oh, boy. 
Well, and I, I get doubt, slippery. In well, and there's no way there's no way the timing works out. But could you imagine if you have the F1 race in Montreal that weekend? And then <laughs> I don't go, know if that's just and the Leafs play in the summer. And the Leafs play in the summer? Yeah, why not? Oh man, well, it's well no, it's September, it, right? It, that's the thing. Yeah, you maybe have, a preseason game. There is definitely because here's the thing: the Ryder Cup is always on my birthday, and the Leafs always play a preseason game on my birthday. Oh, okay, and right. president. Now the thing is, Presidents Cup gets moved all over the place, kind of depending on uh, jurisdiction and stuff. So who knows when uh, when they'll do it? You know what? Somebody who has some good insight. Well, I'll be honest. I don't know how good his insight is on the Presidents Cup, but he wrote a book on the Ryder Cup coming out this year. We're going to talk to our good, good buddy, Shane Ryan next. Of course, always, always love being on the golf show here with you. And the golf show is brought to you by your local Ontario Subaru dealers. Welcome to Uncommon Performance at a Subaru with legendary, symmetrical, full-time, all-wheel drive. Our good buddy, Shane Ryan, is next on the golf show right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And- Golf Show, Brent Gunning, Sam McKee alongside me. And as always, the Golf Show is brought to you by your local Ontario Subaru dealers. Welcome to the Uncommon Performance in a Subaru with legendary, symmetrical, full-time, all-wheel drive. Brent Gunning, it's Sam McKee here. Text lines wide open, 590-590. Please include your name and location. Let us know where you're pegging it up this week. Joining us right now, our good buddy. We had him on for a wonderful Ryder Cup preview. And it went kind of exactly how he said it was. The United States <laughs> beat them down. Our buddy Shane Ryan has a wonderful book coming out about said Ryder Cup. You can read him in Golf Digest as well. Shane Ryan joins us now. Shane, how's it going, bud? Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, how we? I mean, how how you doing? It's been so long since we talked. We had a cold, dreary winter. We, I mean, we probably watch golf all winter long, and now we're starting to get to play some. But I mean, how, what's it like for you getting the golf season going here? It's always weird with these wraparound seasons, but now, I mean, we've had our first major in the books. You know, Scotty Scheffler will never stop winning again. Seemingly, uh, you got the Zurich going on this week. <laughs> well, what do you make of this time of the uh, the golf season between uh, the first and second major of the year? Yeah, you know, it's great. Uh, on a personal level, I'm about to play my first full round of the spring later today. Yeah. Uh, I've been, yeah, it's been great. I've been to the Honda Classic, which was, <laughs> it was okay. I'm not going to try to <laughs> pump up the Honda Classic too much, a tournament Sepp Straka wins. Uh, but, I, no, then I went to, you know, I went to the match play. I saw Scotty Scheffler win, and, you know, it was pretty cool. You guys mentioned the Ryder Cup, and that was uh, a little bit of a, a leap of faith for Stricker to pick him. You know, he saw something in him, and he performed beautifully there. And, you know, the knock on him was, wow, this guy's really good. He hasn't won yet. Well, now look at him, you know, a few months later. And the guy's on top of the world, not only winning a WGC uh, and his first PGA Tour event, but, of course, winning the Masters. So it's already been a really exciting um, start to the year. And it seems like there's there's these neat storylines all the time, including this week, seeing, uh, you know, the two guys on top of the leaderboard, first of all, Shoffley and Cantley, uh, Ryder Cup teammates, President's Cup teammates doing so well. And then I think, you know, seeing uh, Bill Haas and Jay Haas there, too, has been such a neat story. A 68-year-old man not only making a cut with his son, but I, I saw their two under so far today, and I think, you know, 15th place or something. I, all, all that kind of stuff is really exciting, and, you know, I'll be in Tulsa for the PGA in a month. It's just all really cool. 
I uh, I couldn't believe he picked his dad. The guy's on, like, the money list exemption. He's got to make as much dough as he can, get as much status as he can. And he puts his faith in Pops, and he's rewarded, makes it to the weekend. Uh, good good for him there. I want to go back to what you said about Stricker showing some faith and, and picking Scheffler for, for the Ryder Cup team. You know, so often we talk about it with, with team sports, that, you know, being a young player on a great team and a championship team and you go on a run, it kind of changes your perception of yourself early on you go oh wow I'm 21 and I'm a winner I guess I can do this and it kind of changes the player you become for the rest of your career I'm not saying Scotty Scheffler was never going to win a major without this but what do you think it did for a guy like that to be just part of a juggernaut team and have the show of faith by Stricker that earlier in, in his career it feels to me like again not to say it gets credit for all the wins he's, he's ripped off in the last couple of months here but it feels to me like a moment like that and being a part of that group probably lets a guy believe in himself a little bit more going forward afterwards. Yeah, I think there's definitely something there. It's a little bit of a chicken and the egg situation where, you know, it's not like Stricker picked him blindly from a hat or something like that. I mean, Scheffler, I think, was either top 10 or top 15 in all four majors last year. You know, he's really good in the big events. Obviously, he's got an amazing game. He was always going to win, right, eventually. But the the quickness with which he won after that event um, – you know, knocking off his first PGA Tour and WGC match play, uh, you know, beating John Rahm again, beating Poulter again, and then winning the Masters, it, it can't be a coincidence, right? I think that experience of the Ryder Cup and the faith that Stricker had in him, the great thing about that is that at the match play last year before the Ryder Cup, uh, Scheffler beat Poulter and Rahm on the way to getting to the final match where he lost to Billy Horschel. And I texted Stricker after, you know, I was in the process of writing my book, and so I, I kind of wanted to get his take, and I said, you know, what do you think of all these Americans? Um, and again, Horschel had just won, and he singled out Scheffler. Didn't even mention Horschel's name. He said, you know, amazing to see Scheffler beat Poulter and Rom like that. And so you know that stuck in his brain, and that's part of the reason why he picked him. And just sort of like the, the weird poetry of circumstances, he ends up playing John Rom on the Sunday in Ryder Cup singles. This guy, unbeatable John Rom, and going out and crushing him, basically. Uh, and so I think, yeah, that confluence of events is so neat. And the confidence, it sort of must have inspired him with, uh, I, I think he was always going to win. Maybe he was always going to win a major. I'm not so sure. But to have it happen so quickly, I think you're spot on. I think the Ryder Cup definitely played a role in that. So what do you make of Jordan Spieth, Shane? Um, you, you wrote a piece for Golf Digest about him speething it up, uh, him missing the short putt, ended up winning the tournament. I just He's such a roller coaster ride right now, but it just seems that there's no one that gets you American guys as fired up as Jordan does. You know, my whole American golf Twitter, every time that he's doing anything, is just it really, really seems to get the, 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 the fans going. Like, I don't. He doesn't do it for me as much as he does it for a lot of people, obviously, but he really just seems like America's great golf hope. He's an everyman kind of guy, relatable. What, what do you feel about Jordan Spieth's start to the season and his win last week at Harbortown? Yeah, so I was at Harbortown, um, and it was great that he won. I mean, it, just from a writing perspective, it's, you know, it's, oh, sweet, I get to write about Jordan Spieth rather than, it really looked like Sepp Straka was going to win again. And that <laughs> Double Sepp. <laughs> That was the first tournament I've been at since the Honda. And I was like, if the two tournaments I've been to this year, that's soccer and so I'm quitting golf. I'm quitting golf, quitting journalism. So, no, he rescued that for He's me. He's got to put you on retainer you know, if that happens. <laughs> I know, yeah, right. At that point, yeah, I, I, he should at least pay me a little bit of a salary or something, a little good luck charm. Um, but, no, you know, I, th I think what you said is it's really interesting. I, I actually tweeted this the other day. I 
there's something about certain guys, and there's not many of them. And, you know, for me, Jordan Speed does do it. There's something exciting about him uh, that's hard to pinpoint because his personality, like, he's really nice and really smart, but his personality is, you know, not something where you'd go, oh, this guy's electric. Like, look at all the crazy statements he's making. You know what I mean? He's not like that. Um, but there's something about his game and the way he conducts himself or maybe it's the way he looks or maybe there's a special aura or energy around him or something that I think is just really exciting. Um, and, I, you know, the point I was making was, okay, in 2014 you had Rory McIlroy kind of being the main figure in golf. He won his two majors. And I think he's like that too. I think he's really kind of has that electricity about him. Uh, and then the next year in 15 you had Spieth winning his two majors, almost winning four. Um, and it was the same thing. And I think since then we haven't really had that, and, and I've missed it. I, you know, I've missed having a guy like that. You, now, you have some exceptions. Tiger winning the Masters and Phil winning the PGA, sure. Uh, those were huge moments. But by and large, the people who have won, I don't think we've sort of captured that feeling with a young player like that since. And so, I, you know, I think Spieth, it's so funny to watch him win that tournament at Hilton Head. It was – he can't do anything boring to me, right? Like, he had to have missed that putt on Saturday <laughs> on 18. <laughs> he had to have missed that little gimme where you go – the minute he did that, I said, I know he's going to be in contention tomorrow. And I thought he's going to lose by one or something like that, right? Because there's going to be Murphy's Law. There's going to be something where you can look back at that putt and go, man, if he had just made that, he would have won. And so when he made the playoff, I said, well, this is just perfect. He's going to lose the playoff, and everybody will be talking about that putt. But because he's speed, because he's unpredictable, because he's, you know, this electricity sort of follows him, he goes and wins the playoff with that magnificent shift against Cantley. Uh, from the sand and yeah I mean I just he's exciting I want to see him contend in majors again I think it I, I'm ready for it and I think it's exciting for golf when he does yeah I'm I'm kind of cut between or caught between both sides because I'm mostly with my co-host here McKee and that I see him and I'm like yeah okay it's great he's one of the guys it's always good when when he's in the mix but he doesn't quite get me going the same way a guy like Rory does but then I compare and contrast mm-hmm. and no knock on on this guy but I look at Scotty Scheffler and I see him and he's playing great golf but that doesn't feel like the number one player in the world to me. And I'm not taking anything away from Scheffler. He went out there and he had all the wins and he did it. And he has the points to be that guy. But it kind of says something to me or it, it tells me that we don't have that. I don't know, for lack of a better term, like main character in golf. You know, I think about and we, of course, we all go back to Tiger and he held it for 100 years in a row. And you, nobody was ever within a sniff of him for number one player in the world. But when Rory had it, he had it for a long time. Even when DJ had it, it was a long run that he he held it for. And you look at Rom, it's a short run. Scheffler, who knows how long he's going to be able to hold on to it. It feels to me like the game is in such a good place because there's all of these different guys. And one week it's Rom, and we mentioned Cantley there. He's always seemingly in the mix. But for the game to really kind of truly take off going forward, it feels like we need there to be one of these guys to truly vault themselves to kind of the top of the pack as opposed to everybody kind of passing the baton back and forth like we've seen for the past, I don't know, four or five years now. Yeah, I totally agree. I, you know, and it's, it's always tougher in golf than other sports because – you know, unless your name is Tiger, your game, if you're at the top, you kind of exist on a nice edge. And we've seen that over and over. You know, if you're Rory or you're Spieth and you're on top of the world, or you're even like, you know, someone like Kepka, it's a pretty good bet that in a year you won't be anymore. Or in two years, you know, things will be a lot different for you. Um, it's not like tennis where, you know, if you're the best player, you're one-on-one constantly every single match, and you're probably going to advance to the finals of a lot of tournaments. And if you stay healthy, you're going to be a main character for a decade or more. 
Um, I've got snooker on in the background. I don't know if you guys follow snooker at all, but uh, like someone like Ronnie O'Sullivan, you know, just a guy who's always there. Um, That's the most snooker so name you could have possibly said. You could have that. Did you get that yeah, from the exactly. snooker name generator? <laughs> uh, I wish I had one of those. That would be great. No, you know, it's, it, it is. It's funny. And, I, and there's the guy. There's another guy playing right now named Trump. So make of that what you will. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a combination of that of of wanting these guys to be main characters for a long time and, and golf kind of frustrating you in that sense, especially if you're used to Tiger. And then the other thing you talked about is if somebody is number one in the world, if somebody's a juggernaut, you sort of want them to have a larger than life persona in some way. And Rory has that. I think Spieth has that in, in his strange neurotic way. Uh, but you're right, Scheffler doesn't feel like he does. Um, and you look at it and you go, huh, good for him. He's great. There's no doubt about it. And he's certainly got the attitude for golf, you know, that kind of even keel and believes in himself and all that. But you want something a little bit more. And I think there's maybe a little bit of frustration in like this underlying kind of unspoken frustration in the golf world where, okay, sometimes in the last couple of years, you've had one of the old guys when you know, Tiger or Phil, these legends, and that gives you a little taste of it. But we want something long lasting from somebody who we know that we're going to see for you know, the next 10 years or whatever. Uh, I, I sneaky love snooker too. And I just, it's, it's a really, really fascinating thing to watch and the strategy and it's, it's a great thing to watch. So I'm, I'm with more you on of that a one. darts guy. I'm more of a darts guy. <laughs> um, I, just, I like, I discovered darts too, and I play it constantly. So if you want to talk darts, you just let me know. Oh start a dart right. show you just dart, are, dart our, hour this week. Uh, when we get that going, our niche sport <laughs> correspondent, uh, Shane Ryan, um, here so, I am. So I wanted to talk to you about Tiger because I'm I'm having some 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 thoughts. And I'm a diehard Tiger guy. He's one of my favorite athletes ever. I, I grew up at the perfect time when he was dominating, and there's just few th- guys that made me feel the way he does. I I kind of want it to be over, Shane. I, I watched the Masters <laughs> and Thursday was amazing. You know, he shot the he made the cut, he shot the whatever was it, 71 on the Thursday. He made the cut, and then Saturday happened, and it just I, I'm kind of, I don't want to say done with it. The golf, like like the previous question that Gunnar asked, golf is in such a great place with all the different players and it's so exciting with all this power and everything that there is to it. But just watching Tiger at this point after what he's been through, I would just, I, I, I'm kind of done with it and I feel awful to say it, but boy, it's not going to get any better and he's just going to play every major and the coverage is always going to be there. I'm having some pretty tortured thoughts on Tiger at the moment, Shane. I don't know if you can help me work it out. Yeah, well, join the club. Um, I've had this for a little while. I, you know, but I was a little biased because in 2014 I wrote a book about the young players of the PGA Tour, and so you know I was focused on Spieth and McIlroy and Justin Thomas and all those guys. And at the same time, I experienced the same exact thing you were talking about, where no matter what, Tiger dominates the coverage constantly, and for good reason, right? He, we can't say he hasn't earned it. For and sure. usually, Shane, uh, I actually, I usually love that. Like, I'm the guy that's like, oh, I want to see Tiger yeah, yeah. chip and putt while there's guys actually playing golf. Like, I, I, I'm usually the guy that <laughs> loves that. But anyways, continue. No, yeah, but he's put us through the ringer over the years, right? So you probably everybody has their own personal point of, like, Tiger fatigue, and you've reached yours, which is understandable because, you know, look, last year he's in another major car accident where his life seems like it's in jeopardy. And then there's another comeback. And then there's all this, yeah, the crazy amount of hype at Augusta where he is the story but we've been there before. We've been there before. It keeps happening over and over. And then he plays in a pretty mediocre way. So at the end, you're like, God, was the hype even justified? Like, why, why were we spending so much emotional energy on this? 
And yeah, I think inevitably you get to a point, maybe some people don't, but I think a lot of people get to a point where they say, I've been through the tiger cycle enough. You know, it has been what, 25 years basically uh, of this, a little bit more even that we're, we're kind of sick of it. You know, there, there is a sport out there. We love the sport. There's other things happening. How long are we going to have to do this? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, some people will, some people want to do it forever. Some people will be like you were, whereas like, show me tiger, you know, practicing sand shots uh, <laughs> while the final round of the masters is going on. And other people will eventually reach a point where they say enough. Well, and yeah, like on Sunday at the masters, we're watching an awesome, you know, final pair two of the great young stars in the game. We see 18, okay, like we saw Tiger finish up. That's fine. We see him do the big walk through the, the alley there where he won in 2019. The, the people are cheering him. We're like, oh, okay, this is great. He walks into Butler Cabin. He goes down the steps. Like, oh, my God, those steps are not pretty. Anyways, then we go and we're watching golf. Then it flashes back to him, like, making travel plans with his, like, family. We're like, okay, like, we get it. Like, he's there. Like, I, I feel oh, terrible yeah. that I'm saying this because I'm such a Tiger fan and I've loved what he's given us, but, man, I've reached my saturation point, Ryan. I really, Shane, I, ha- I really have. Yeah, well, try writing about it for a living. Yeah. Every single thing. <laughs> like, oh my, Tiger said, Tiger said he might go to St. Andrews, and that's like, you know, the, the highest like, traffic story. Is he so, really going to play you know, the U.S. Is, Open? Like, that, like, we watch him at Augusta. Right. Like, really? Please. Yeah. Yeah, it, the whole thing is so strange. And, you know, but I mean, at the same time, there, there are elements of the story that are so interesting at, to- at times, you know, and so. And, and people care about him. You know, if you were if you were in charge of, you know, golf.com or whatever, and you looked at your metrics, guess what? Like, yeah. the highest traffic stories are all the Tiger stuff. So the coverage follows what people want, right? It's not like, they're always forcing Tiger down our throat. Not really. This is what people, like, respond to. So there are elements of that. But, yeah, then you go, oh, my God, enough, 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 enough. We have other stuff going on in this world. Uh, so I'm with you. I'm with you on the Tiger fatigue, and I, I can't help you, though. I think you are – in this for life, and unless you become a hermit and go to the Yukon or whatever the hermit Maybe it'll be a Seb Straka guy now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to join you in that, but I wish you the best of luck. And okay. I will let you know what tournaments I'll be at in the future. There you go. So you get, uh, you, get you, you know uh, when he's going to be in the winner's circle ahead of time. Uh, I, I agree mostly with what you, guys, what you guys say about Tiger there. The only thing I'd kind of add on, on that is, and I don't know that he has it in him, it feels like he needs the nail in the coffin where he does it himself. He needs to say, okay, 150th open championship. I am actually going to make this all about me. And it'll be the last competitive major. I like, it does feel like, and maybe he doesn't want to make it that one because he has so much respect for the open or something like that. But it feels like he needs to have the moment because unless he comes out and says it, we're always going to be wondering because there's always going to be reports of, Oh, he was actually hitting it pretty well at medalist. And it just feels like we're going to be doing this forever. <laughs> oh, Joe LaCava's in Florida. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Okay. Other, other old guy I have to talk to you about because much unlike tiger, where I am taking in every second and every ounce of information I can, I have tried to kind of completely ignore this Phil Mickelson thing. It's just weird. I don't like it. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a Phil guy, but him not being at the Masters potentially because of a feud, beef, a suspension, who knows with the PGA Tour, I don't like it. Uh, What's going on with Phil Mickelson right now? Is he in exile, or do we expect to see him play? Do you know what's going on with Phil Mickelson, Shane? I think he's blowing up his life, to to put it really succinctly. Uh, it, it's it's such a strange story, like you said. His whole he's obviously got a lot of resentment to the PGA Tour, which is so strange for me. I bet 
I don't know. You, you guys probably know your fair share of wealthy people. I think there are a lot of good wealthy people, but I think we've also seen how it can break somebody's brain over time. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether whether it's his gambling debts, and it's hard to speculate because all this stuff is, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to, like, libel the guy or slander him or whatever. But something happened with Phil where something in his brain flipped, and he started resenting the PGA Tour, this, this organization that, you know, made him fabulously wealthy. He wanted his, you know, his TV rights, his video rights and all this these things that are just not done in, in any you know, professional league, and it doesn't make any sense, the things he's requesting. And he goes from there to the Saudi thing, where clearly it's a revenge play against the PGA Tour because of his bitterness. He doesn't care. Like, Look, we can't expect him to be like the most moral man in the universe. He doesn't care who he's getting into bed with. And so he does the Saudi thing, and he's going to make this bold, like he's going to bring all these people with him, and he's got the stature to do it maybe. It's a little bit scary. And then he goes on this rant to Alan Shipnuck and has that published where, you know, look, when you're in bed with the Saudis, don't call them murderers, right, on the phone. I mean, that's not yeah. that's not their thing. They're not going to like that. And so I mean, you can do it, but not phone. while you're in business with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not while you're in business with them, man, not without consequences. And if the consequences are that you're no longer in the league, well, you've gotten off pretty easy as far as those people are concerned. Um, so anyhow, so he goes through all of that and – you know, now at this point, he loses that, too. So where is he? He's in exile, but he's lost his breakaway thing. I don't know. I just think he seems like somebody careening to me. Like a, when you when you see someone circling down the drain, to me, that's Phil Mickelson right now. And even at Hilton Head, you had Davis Love in his press conference say, talking about the Ryder Cup, well, it looks like we might have an opening at Bethpage. And so he's messed that up for himself, too. He's probably not going to be a Ryder Cup captain now. So I don't know. It's really sad and uh, just unpredictable and, and crazy. But – inevitable based on who the guy is maybe uh it's just yeah i'm with you it's so strange and it's it's not fun yeah i think i think that's kind of where we all where we all land on it shane uh man tons of fun kind of a bummer to end the conversation you coming to canada for the rbc open there uh shane or no yeah Uh, will seb strack we gotta find out yeah i was gonna say is is step in the field No, you know, I've never been there, and I really want to go really? sometime. I, I, I don't know if I told you guys this, but I grew up in upstate New York and yeah. way upstate in the Adirondack Mountains. And I grew up going to Montreal Expos games. Obviously, mm-hmm. when I was 18, I grew up going to Montreal and drinking with my friends because yep. it was allowed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Canada guy, and especially I really like Montreal, and I want to see more of Canada. Uh, I've never been there, but I, I really hope to one day. Let me give you the sales pitch. Can, uh, Toronto in June is one of the greatest places in the world, and uh, St. George's, the golf course, is one of the nicest golf courses in the world. So, Num- uh, Number two course in the country bet, this year. Bend the ear of uh, Golf Digest. Uh, come up and cover Seb Straka's win at the Canadian Open. Or Seb Straka. <laughs> Just tell him to get you on the PJ because you're good luck. Uh, and otherwise, Seb, 2024, yeah. President's Cup in Montreal. So yeah. there we go. There you go. Uh, 100%. 100% I'll be at that. And, yeah, I will tell Seth, come on, I'm worth at least a plane ticket, right? <laughs> come on. Come on. Get our guy Shane here. Uh, Shane Ryan, thanks so much, buddy. Really, really enjoyed the chat today. All right. Thanks, guys. Always fun. Yeah, there he goes. Uh, quickly on this, I love our golf guests. Well, I mean, it's the golf show. They're all golf guests. But they are all niche courts, niche sport correspondents. We had Luke Kerr Deneen uh, <laughs> on, and I ended up talking with him about the lumberjack challenges that are on TV <laughs> up here because he had guys in his backyard doing work, and he was blown away by it. So, what was I, the guy's I, name? Ronnie O'Sullivan? Was that it? The, the Ronnie snooker? O'Sullivan, the <laughs> snooker player, and he was playing a guy named Trump because, of course, man, uh, man. come. Oh, there's not many shows 
on uh, Canadian radio where you can come and get a snooker parallel while talking about golf. So there you, you go. Know, you know who would have loved that exact snippet of the golf show and only that exact snippet? Talking snooker and darts. That one's for you, Jeff Blair. The time <laughs> you would ever be listening uh, to the golf show. We talk snooker and darts. I have to sneak this in before mm. we get out of here, Sam McKee. Let me have it. We had potentially the greatest sponsorship in the history of golf announced this week. Oh, thank you, Gunner. Former guest, former friend of ours. We talked about we talked to him about hamburgers at the Dunvegan. Mm-hmm. John Daly and his son, now going as John Daly too, no longer Lil John Daly have signed a partnership with Hooters. And the thing I love about do you have this, the Do you have the statement? I don't, I don't have it in oh front of me. Oh, my God, I got to find it. I just it. remember the, John Daly talking about it like, like they raised him, basically. It's been a partnership with, me, with which me and my family have had a great relationship for years, and I hope to continue that into the future or something along those lines. Uh, man, I'm, I'm furiously digging for it here. Sometimes a brand just hits perfectly, perfectly. Uh, with, with an athlete and two athletes. In, in oh, I got it. And it. Hit it. I have seen my father's great relationship <laughs> with Hooters over the years, <laughs> and I am proud to continue my family's association with this iconic brand. And he's Love just, he lo- he's a chip off the old block unit. He really is. He's my favorite golfer. I will be yep. following him furiously. Let's go. That's our guy for the next generation. Gen Z. Here we go. (laughs) Sam McKee and Brent Gunning. Get it wherever you get your pods. Golf show brought to you by Subaru. Thanks so much for listening today on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.